Hello and welcome to another episode of Block Talk. I'm your host as always, Michael Block. If you love the podcast, make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. Leave a five-star review while you're there. Tis the season to get glammy. I'm nominated for two 2023 Glam Awards for Best Podcast and Best Writer Blogger, and I need your help to win. Once again, both categories are in the People's Choice voting, so the public will determine who wins. All you need to do is go to GlamAwards.net, click the tab for People's Choice, and vote. You might only be allowed to use your email once, so you better tell all your friends, family, enemies, hell, even tell that dancing diva at the bar, the cutie slinging the drinks, and the DJ spinning the tracks. And I repeat, tell everyone. Oh, and while you're at it, visit my Instagram and click the link tree to find out how you can support the pod by donating or buying merch. Now, what you're about to listen to is an episode that I've been holding on to for a while. Why is it only being released now? Well, Daddy was busy! A lot has happened since this interview was conducted, so be sure to follow this bitch to fill in the blanks. And as always, follow me on Instagram, threads, and TikTok at MichaelBlockTalk on Twitter slash X at BlockTalkNYC, and visit theaterthenow.com for latest news, reviews, and interviews. After taking the world by storm, this drag race phenomenon is bringing their talents across the globe, all while curating an amazing exclusive party back at home in Phoenix. Say hey to that gay-ass bitch. It's Joey J. How are you? What's going on? I'm really, really good. Thank you so much for having me. Am I your first gay person on your show ever? Ever. The only gay person I've ever had on the show. (laughs) Thank you so much for the representation and for giving me a voice. Thank you for being the voice of the, all the gays across the globe. Well, <laughs> and, I, and the universe, every planet. I'm so glad to have you on the show. We got to chat a little bit at DragCon, uh, which was super fun. I was um, admittedly very, very nervous to meet you officially in person because uh, I am a big fan of yours. So thank you for chatting then. And thank you for being here and sharing your story here. You are so sweet. And far too kind. It was a pleasure meeting you at DragCon. DragCon was sickening, didn't you think? It was. It was really fun to go back to DragCon. It was my first time at DragCon LA because uh, I had been covering New York because that's where I'm located uh, yeah. for a, cu- a couple um, years. But it was really cool to have everyone back after like two years of no DragCon, plus all of the international sisters as well. I know. It was wild. There was literally hundreds, hundreds more queens that have been given platforms and careers since before the pandemic. So it was it was a wild ride. It was so funny. So we did this booth and um, I partnered with Sally Beauty and that was a lot of fun. And we had this really sickening booth and I loved it. And my best friend was there assisting me. His name is Colin and um, he is so shady. So in our row, who did we have? We had Envy Peru, and we had Carmen, and um, just this, this line of these, the most polished queens that you could ever put your eyes on, and Colin looks at me, and he goes, out of all these queens, you're the one with the beauty booth. <laughs> <laughs> That's shady. And I'm like, yeah, read me and my career. Well, I, I, I know we're going to um, talk about it a little bit later on, but you will be returning to DragCon UK. 
Yes, yes, London in just a few, it's, that's crazy, it's only a few weeks away. But yes, I'm going to be joining Utica. We're going to be doing a booth together. We have a really cute pin that we're going to come out with both of our faces on it. Oh, it's, cute. It's going to be really exciting. Yeah. Well, I will definitely be stopping by because I will be at DragCon UK. I'm very, very Sick excited. It's, it'll be my first time in Europe ever. So really, um, a little nervous, but super excited to see everybody. It's going to be so fun. I've never been to London, but I did a tour of the UK in the mm-hmm. spring and um. It was amazing, and I'm so excited that I get to spend. We're going to be there for a week. We get in on, oh, we're nice. le- well, just about. We're leaving on a Tuesday. We're coming home on a Tuesday, so we're going to have a couple days in London just to take it all in. I'm yeah, so I, I'm actually doing the same exact thing. I'm leaving on a Tuesday, arriving on a Wednesday morning, and then uh, taking a couple days to explore. I got tickets to go see Graham Norton show, so I, I'm really going to oh, make work. this uh, uh, worth it. it. Um, but I think really everyone's going to be most excited to meet the Teletubbies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm. I'm wondering. I'm like. I wonder which ones are top and bottom. <laughs> right. I, I'm super excited for that. But we are here to talk about you and everything that we didn't didn't get to learn about you on the show. So I love to start from the beginning. Where are you from? So we're going from the beginning. Ooh. So I was born in Iowa City, Iowa, and then mm-hmm. I had my entire elementary school middle school, high school, and a little bit of college in Madison, Wisconsin. So I basically grew up in Wisconsin. And then um, I lived in Milwaukee for about six years before I ventured out to the desert in Phoenix, Arizona. What was life like as a kid in the Midwest? Um, You know, I have to say that I'm really lucky because I want to have a very, very supporting mother. And um, I also lived in a city that lived in Iowa City, which is a very mm-hmm. liberal college town. Uh, I lived in Madison, Wisconsin, which is a very liberal bubble. And then I moved over to Milwaukee and then I moved over to Phoenix. So I've always lived in some sort of city where there's a really big university where there's some type of gay life there. So mm. I've been really blessed and lucky to have that. And um. So I, I want to say it was definitely easier than some yeah. other stories that I've heard. And I'm so grateful for that. And my mom just, she kind of just, ex- she exposed me to just gay culture from the very, very beginning. Sure. And so I never really had a coming out experience. My, my coming out experience was basically saying like, mom, I, I, I'm going to the, I, I went to this gay bar and I knew this, this drag queen named Desiree and, and Desiree would go, Hey, daddy, I'm going to, I want to fuck you. I'm going to put my finger in your ass. I, I hope I can swear. Anyways, oh, of course. Mom was like, oh, Desiree. Oh my gosh. Desiree used to change your diapers. Oh my gosh. Me and Desiree, we were roommates <laughs> back in Iowa city. And I'm just like, Lord. So That's that was amazing. basically my coming out experience. And to this day, um, every now and then I still bump into Desiree. And uh, <laughs> I remember I like, I, I walked into the bar and I might, my, my ADD is psychotic if you haven't guessed already but um I walked into the bar with a photo the next week and I was like do you know this woman and it was a picture of my mother and Desiree was like how do you know that woman where did you get that photo and I'm like that's that's my mother she's like I'm so sorry for everything that I've ever said to you oh my gosh (laughs) now get this fast forward like a couple of years right so now I'm over 21 I have no money and I'm trying to flirt my way to a to get to a drink, you know, at the bar, like doing whatever I got to do to just get a cocktail. I'm talking to this man and we're flirting and I'm shooting my shot. And Desiree walks over and she's like, you don't fucking touch him. I used to change his, Desiree, I got it. I got it, girl. I got it. 
don't worry. This is my friend Desiree. I'm like, okay, I'll talk to you later. Okay, let me get the. <laughs> so that was kind of my life growing up. So I've always had drag influenced in some way. I love that. Um, so you said your mom exposed you to uh, gay culture, gay things. Uh, were you um, someone who liked the arts as a kid? Yeah, I did. I was never a theater, a theater kid, but I grew up doing competitive figure skating. Now, right. I didn't talk about this much on the show because I've seen me Denali and ice skates and I'm like, this is going to be your thing. So mm -hmm. it's, a, it's so funny, Denali and I, we had so many, we're both, we grew up, both grew up Jewish, uh -huh. both ice skaters, both ballroom dancers. So I'm like, oh my gosh. So you know what? I don't need these things to define like my drag persona. This definitely makes a lot of sense for you. So you're going to have your storyline and take that. And I'm going to, I'm going to find some other things just to really, so we're not like put in the same box or the same sure. category, but we still have those same similarities. You know, we're both fire signs and we definitely bonded over it. Yeah. Cause I was going to say, I, I had been following you prior to the show and I remember seeing you post about figure skating um, a couple of mm -hmm. times. And I was like, that's amazing. That's really cool. So when you got on the show and there was no mention, I was like, did I make it up? I, I know it existed. No, you didn't. And I talked about it a little bit, but I definitely didn't go out of my way to do that because I just saw I'm like, and maybe I should have, I don't know, but I just saw like this, this really talented queen is literally walking in on ice skates. Right. This is her brand. So I'm going to let you take that and run with it. And you know what? I'm going to find these other things. I'm going to monopolize on those, the, the no wig thing. Um, mm -hmm. I did mention I was a dancer and we would choreograph our group number. And yeah, I, I can do that. And I'm like, I'm going to go into these confessionals and I'm going to be funny as fuck. Like that's how I'm going to really differentiate myself. We have Queens hate being just compared side to side. Sure. Absolutely. Um, can you tell us any fun stories about figure skating? Um, oh my gosh. This is kind of a big memory that I have from growing up figure skating. So I was definitely gay, but I wasn't out. And um, uh, figure skating is one of those sports where it's not a hobby, it's a lifestyle. Absolutely. So you, you're always at the rink. You didn't have a lot of friends. I was super awkward. I had a bowl cut and um, the pictures are, will never be surfaced. And I'm just kidding. I'll, I'll, I'll break them out at some point, but there was a moment where I'm competing at with the biggest competition I've ever competed in. And um, there were maybe like 15 or 20 other guys in my division, which was rare because there's always a ton of women and girls figure skating, but it's not as popular for boys. And so I would always compete against one or two other people. Sometimes they'd be uncontested or maybe there'd be like four of us but like mm -hmm. even if you were to like fall down on your ass over and over maybe you could still get second place like there just weren't that many and so I go to this really big competition and it's huge and I go to the locker room and they are roughhousing they're throwing this football they broke one of the light bulbs glass shatters and hits the floor and I'm like walking with my dad like none of you are gay like in my <laughs> head like I wasn't thinking that literally sure. but I'm like oh my gosh, all of you are straight. Are you kidding me? And then I'm looking at the, the coaches and who I idolize on TV. And I'm like, none of these guys are flaming either. Like, thank God Johnny Weir came around. I'm like, oh. Well, what's, what's funny is I, I used to play ice hockey. Uh, shocker for a lot of people. Um, but the rink that I used to play out of, um, Johnny Weir used to skate out of. Oh, and sickening. 
I, at that time, w- was straight. I w- I'll say that I was straight, but there was definitely thoughts in my head. And I will distinctly always remember that there were people at the rink who always called him Johnny Queerblades. And it bothered yeah. me so much. But he also was unapologetically who he was. He would literally come out with Prada skate guards. Right. But um, yeah, it's a very Iconic. interesting world where y- you would think there would be a lot more gay men in the field of figure skating, but there's not. It's so wild. And so um, just to fast forward, um, I did competitive ballroom for six years. I taught for mm-hmm. Fred Dance Studio, and that was another one. I remember I just started teaching dance and I'm learning how to teach students. They were all adults. And um, I'm looking at all the other male teachers and I'm like, Everyone here is flaming. Mm. Oh my gosh. Like wearing Hades. And then I realized they're all married with kids. And I'm like, what? But it's just, I think in America, like the kids growing up in America, they play soccer, they do track. But in Eastern Europe, they right. do ballroom dancing and skiing, things like that. And I'm like, oh, so this is what this is your big sport out there. Mm-hmm. But it was like wild. Yeah. Now, obviously, we saw Shangela on Dancing with the Stars. Would you do it if the opportunity came? Yes. In a heartbeat. It was one of the first things that I mentioned to my management at the time. And I said, I'm going to get on Dancing with the Stars. And they're like, oh, that's really hard to get on to for a drag queen. And I was like, I don't care. Let's pitch it. Like, who cares? I'm so happy that Shangela was on there. Deserved far higher than fourth place. But maybe I'm biased. But at the same time, like, Shangela is a trailblazer. Mm-hmm. Shangela has a journey and she's told a story over the years, walking into the workroom from the very first day to being on We're Here, just snatching Emmys, just doing everything that the community needs to do. When did drag enter your life? Drag entered my life in my, um, let me think about this. So, Growing up, and when I first went to the gay bars, I was always intrigued and would go go toward, my attention always went towards the drag queens. I thought they were so Mm -hmm. beautiful. They were so cool. And um, I didn't ever see myself doing it though. I I was like, I I just gravitated towards the queens, but I would fill in the void by like backup dancing for them Mm -hmm. or editing their music or choreographing their talent number. And then we'd go compete at the national pageants. This is how Shangela started. Shangela was right. the backup dancer for a bunch of queens, Alyssa Edwards. And um, so I did that. And I just, I would meet other queens. It's how I met Aurora Sexton. It's how I met Candy Stratton. It's how I met Alyssa Edwards. Um, by being at these pageants or not being 21, but because there was a pageant, we just weren't allowed to drink and be 18 and up. And I would sure. just pick these queens' brains. Um, I met India Farah. Um, a lot of names that you'll see around now who've just been, again, trailblazers in the drag community. And um, we would just stay in touch and I would ask questions. And then um, I got into male pageantry for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to do drag. The hip pads were crazy to me. I'm like, this is nuts. But I'm seeing these men come to kind of do the same thing and they're making all this money. I'm like, let me try that. And then one day I go to a pageant and it was, booger booger boots like the queens were not good and uh, there were maybe three of them but the prize package was money the the jewelry the prize package the gift certificate the that they I'm like literally I could 
I should run for this pageant. I, I could probably <laughs> done a better job. And I remember I like made that executive decision. I'm like, tomorrow I am going to reach out to one of my favorite queens and I'm going to ask if they can do my makeup. And so I reached out and they came over. Uh, Dita from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And mm -hmm. Dita comes over with her makeup and I'm asking questions. And I saw what I looked like. And oh my gosh, I was like, I'm going to go on Drag Race. And that's how it started. And I, I tried to, started going through the, I would paint myself every single day. I'm probably 26 now. I'm painting my face every single day. I'm getting razor burn. And I'm like, okay, we're going to keep this indoors as long as possible. You can't, I understood you cannot escape the booger stage, but we can sure. definitely keep it behind closed doors as long as we can. So I would paint as much as I could. And after about six months, I was like, okay, I think I'm figuring it out a little bit. And we went out. I didn't have a wig on either. Busted. Nasty. I have sunglasses over it. Thank goodness. But like the <laughs> eyebrows are all like McDonald's arches. But I was turning <laughs> it. You couldn't tell me anything. And I just kept doing that. And then I decided to, um, when I had like a few things in my wardrobe, I decided to plan a show. And that was going to be my debut. And then I also, a friend of mine was a show director and I had talked to them and I said, I'm going to do drag. I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, can I, do you have any openings in your show? So I booked them the next week. Cause I was like, I'm going to jump in here and I'm already going to be booked. I'm going to have a show. And then guess what? I'm already booked next week. Like I was trying to just like pull out all the stops, not be yeah. a newcomer. And then I did a pageant system. I did US of A. That went sickening. Colin, who I told you about earlier, mm -hmm. we didn't know what we were doing and we fucking... Baked it till we made it. We made top 12. We ended up in six. And I was like, I think we have an idea. I think we kind of know what's going on here. And then, yeah, I just um, kept just working on my craft. How did you decide as for Joey J to be your drag name? So I couldn't come up with a drag name. I had a really hard time marrying one. Mm. And um, for a minute... So my drag name is going to be Calypso. That was the very first one, but I can't do a Calypso. So that just sure. makes sense. <laughs> and then I was going to be Adrenaline. Whether Maybe it was going to be one word or two words. First name Adrena, last name Lynn. But I didn't want, I didn't, I wasn't quite vibing with that. Sure. And um, I'm like, also, I'm not a Kennedy Davenport. I shouldn't be a queen named Adrenaline if I maybe just want to turn a look. You know what I mean? Right. So then I, I had a really hard time marrying it. And I was like, you know, you have Derek Barry. Why can't I be Joey J? There it is. And so I did that. And I love it. How would you describe yourself in three words? How would I, I feel like this has, this has definitely changed a lot. How would I describe myself in three words? I would say, are we talking about Joey J or are we talking about like at home? Um, the, the, your drag persona, Joey J. Drag persona, Joey J. I would say, um, ironically, adrenaline. <laughs> okay. I would say business. Mm -hmm. And I would say painted. I love that. How long does it take to transform into Joey nowadays? I like to say I'm kind of like smoke. I'm going to take up as much space as I need. So if you give me 30 minutes, I will do it in 30 minutes. It might not be the best. It'll be pretty crazy, but I've done it. And if you give me two and a half hours, I'll take up all the two and a half hours. But I can confidently say an hour makeup easy. And then it'll take me like 20 minutes to get dressed if I take my time. Do you have any traditions you like to do while you get ready? 
slap it on as quick as you can and let's get out the door. Now, obviously- I'm not one of those queens that can, some of these queens, they, they're like, you know, light a bowl, mm-hmm. pour a glass of wine. I'm like, baby, we have place, we've got things to right. do, places to go. So I'm very like, let's get it done. I do get a haircut before every show though. Oh, nice. Now, did you have to adjust how you get ready once you were on Drag Race and being in that pressure cooker and being around other personalities who um, might like to talk while they're getting ready? Um, so I knew I always wanted to go on the show. And I knew that I always would get ready at the bar at the show that we mm-hmm. had. So I would get to the bar around, show started at 10. I would get there around eight and I would start getting ready. And then I would get there at 8.15 and then I'd get there at 8.30 and I started getting there a little bit later and later to force myself to be ready by the time the show had to start. So that one day when I was going to go on Drag Race, painting in 45 minutes wasn't going to be an issue. We got on there. It was definitely difficult. And yeah, we're talking and we're trying to, we have storyline and they have those questions that we want to ask each other and, um, I still, I was really happy that I kind of prepped myself like that, but it was definitely, there were moments like, okay, ladies, 10 minutes. There was one point where they said that we all turned around and they're like, we're going to be ready when we're fucking ready. (laughs) I I love that. Well, because I I think for me, I obviously recap all of Drag Race. I recap Dragula as well. The thing that's gotten to the Dragula world is like when that alarm blares and there's half a face on and they're not going no way. They're just doing that. I'm like, right. Like I'm I'm ready for the time when they are literally going to say, no, no, out now. And that's the challenge. (laughs) That's what I'm waiting for. But yeah, no, I mean, we, we know there's production involved in drag race but at the end of the day they want a good show so they're going to let you have your time to get ready and look perfect as possible yeah i feel like all stars is a lot different from a regular season when it comes to that but um it does it does teach you how to paint faster i don't think i could paint for four hours if i if i tried and um it, it puts you in this mentality where like you know how to be professional you are groomed to be on time you have all your shit with you and so it's stressful, but I'm really grateful for that drag race experience because it just was able to give us all, um, we we're all capable of hitting the ground running when we got back home. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting um, piece of advice for potential uh, queens and kings and things who want to be on drag race in the future is you, you learn how to... You learn how to sew, you learn how to do a snatch game, but you also learn how to paint and get ready for that aspect because... That's yeah. not something you always see on the show, but it's important um, that some people take uh, a little longer, as one of your castmates did. Paint fast. <laughs> They're there to make money, and you're there to get a platform. We're not there to necessarily hang out. A lot of money goes into this show. Learn how to paint fast, and let's, let's get this shit on the road. You have a really amazing and cool drag style. Who are some of your inspirations when it comes to drag? So... <clears throat> My drag has always been a little bit gender fluid, mm-hmm. although I love having body. I love tits. I love hips. I love cinching. Um, so I really compare my drag style to Pink, the singer, sure. Annie Lennox. I love, um, I just, I think even growing up, like, even though, you know, you're gay, but all of my crushes were always those women like Eliza Dushku, like mm-hmm. those women who are hot, who could beat your ass. Like yeah. I was, I always liked them. So that's kind of where my drag comes from. Just like 
I'm more masculine when I'm in drag than when I'm not. I'm like a tomboy, lipstick lesbian. I love that. Yeah. Now let's say you're getting ready for a gig. How do you decide the look? What's the process for you putting a look together? So what I have been doing lately, like I said, I'm very ADD for real. And um, so I start planning, if I know I have a slew of shows that's going to happen in a row, like for example, I have four shows this weekend. I, at the beginning of the week, I start categorizing, categorizing the shows and what numbers I want to do. I'm listening to music and whatever music is really inspiring me that week, I'm going to kind of hold on to those and I'll make like a little playlist and I'll like narrow down what songs I want to do for the next week. And then I'll look at, okay, what have I worn recently? What am I vibing with? Am I wearing anything new? And um, I'll try to piece together my looks during the week. Sometimes when you're crazy, crazy busy. It's basically your look is based off of the laundry that you've done. Sure. You don't have a choice because I believe, especially a professional drag queen, you have to look good and you have to smell good. And baby, mm -hmm. you need to wash those tights, wash those pads, have a fragrance. Like I, just cause it's my favorite look, honey, we need to have some TLC before we bring her out again. I remember one of the first times I brought my mom to one of the drag shows I was producing. Uh, the first thing she said afterwards is it smelled like a locker room nasty right nasty i hate it and i live in phoenix Arizona. right you, you got the like, heat i tell these queens i'm like you're not getting a booking fee if you come in with dirty tights we're gonna mm -hmm. start from the beginning no do you have any favorite collaborators you like to work with when it comes to um drag fashion what do you mean like designers yeah um yeah so some of the designers I work with the most are Tom Ogden. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with Tom Ogden, but he lives in Los Angeles area. He is so talented. He does a lot of Brooklyn's looks on Canada okay. versus the Canada versus the world. Amazing. Uh, or Canada, Canada's drag race. Um, he's so talented. He knows how to do corsets. He puts a lot of time and thought into his pieces. They're not clothes, they're pieces. So I love Tom Ogden. I work with Jeffrey Kelly. Mm -hmm. uh, Jeffrey Kelly has had many things come onto the yes, runway yes, recently. Yes. He is so talented. And what I love about him is he's fast. He says really, really fast. So that's nice when you're in a pinch. So those are probably my main two that I talk to a lot. And then recently, um, Utica and I have grown really, really close together since the show aired and um, I, Utica and I send images back and forth to each other all day or, I, or I'll be doing a sketch and I'll say, hey, what do you think about this? And Utica will say, hey, what if you did this and this and this? And I'm like, oh my God, why didn't I think of that? And so yeah. I'm definitely getting more of a creative team and I was not a look queen on my season. I am a look queen. Yeah. I am turning into a look queen. I'm studying fashion I have my little team I have my saved images I put a lot more time into throwing a look together now than I did before I I always love to see drag artists collaborate with designers because it, it drag is a collaborative sport in a sense because you always have if, even if you don't have the sewing skills you have someone you can throw your ideas to and they can execute what you want out of it so it's really cool to hear yeah. how your collaboration process works yeah there's a designer out here there's two out here that are local that I, I always believe in like support your local artists. Absolutely. And so I work with two main people out here in Phoenix. One is named Gio. He 
um, he makes me a lot of my velvet pieces. And then I work mm -hmm. with a guy named Wes. And Wes, he used to do a lot of ballroom dancing costumes. So he's really good with sequin fabric, things like that. But at DragCon, I wore a lot of, I wore Wes's look for the mm -hmm. entire first day. He did two looks for me. And I'm like, how can we, how can, we? it takes a village literally. So let's take yes. that village and like, let's give him a spotlight. Are there any fabrics that you've officially said no more? I'm not using that fabric ever again. Or materials. You know, I don't think so. I am down. I'm a down bitch. Like, right. if we can come up with a look, that's going to be stunning. Now, I am very practical. So a lot sure. of my costumes, Utica makes fun of me a lot because of this. She's like, oh, another cat suit. I'm like, can it, bitch? But I perform a, a lot of my numbers and I'll, I don't do a lot of appearances. I do a lot of shows where I'm doing performances. They're usually high energy. So right. really cool cat suits or, or silhouettes like that are my go-to. Um, but because of that, you're not going to see me in a latex suit. Right. Like I might do something like that for a photo or for like the main stage for a television show or something, but for just like a look to go to a show, like it needs to be easy to get in and out of. And I don't want to look sickening, but I'm not trying to sweat all my makeup off. Well, I, I want to uh, point out your Halloween look. Um, it yeah. was iconic. Sickening. How, what, what I is, loved it. How did you decide that's going to be my Halloween look? Cause no one else came close. Thank you so much. So I'll be honest with you. Halloween, I avoid drag like at all costs. I feel like that we have Halloween 52 times a year minimum. Right. And that I don't maybe I don't want to dress up again. Maybe I'm going to let everyone else have their chance to Absolutely. be drag and things. And this is going to be my time off. My boyfriend and I last year, we did um, Morticia and Gomez Adams. And he was Morticia and I, I was that. Gomez. So that was like my way to like dress up, but still live my drag fantasy and put him in drag, which is hilarious. He was a bigger diva than I was. I <laughs> created a monster. But anyways, so we were doing a show and I got booked for it here in Phoenix. And this, the theme was Stranger Things. And I'm looking and I'm like, I was kind of bummed at first because I'm like, okay, well, let me look at the cast. And I'm like, this is the most pedestrian wardrobe right selection ever and I was like I decided I really wanted to do drag like high fashion elegant drag at Halloween this year and then they're like stranger things and I'm like damn it then I'm like hold on a second what if I was like Vecna but like gay like the sexiest siren Vecna with body pussy galore pumps could kick your ass ever like lipstick and then I saw that meme where he's like they like have their hands like this with the nails <laughs> yep, 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 and yep. the hoop earrings and the lips and I'm like I want to do this and they're like are you sure and drag queens out there if someone asks are you sure that means you're going the right direction yeah and I'm like yes I'm gonna take this and I'm gonna run with it and so I ordered a ridiculous amount of stones, really, really good stones, and another cat suit. And um, <laughs> I completely crusted this cat suit. And then I was like, I can't just stop here. And so I started asking um, Dolly and Astrid. They live here in Phoenix. Mm -hmm. And um, mm -hmm. I'm like, I need 
to find a prosthetic head. I need to figure this out. I've never done this. Here's what I'm trying to do. And um, they got me hooked up with someone named Gabe out in Los Angeles. Gabe did the skin costumes that Violet and Mick just came out with on, oh, nice. on, um, oh, cool. on that magazine cover they just did, yeah. gay, gay Times. And um, he's like, we started talking a little bit because I was, um, I just commented on something and I was like, that is sickening. He's like, oh, thank you for the love. And I'm like, hey, can I pick your brain? I'm trying to execute this. And he's like, you know what? I'll do this. So he did that and he came in and I added more stones and I was glued to my head and it was sticking. No one knew who I was. It was so and cool. I was like, I it was it. Thank so, you so much. cool. I think you won Halloween. Oh my God. Thank you so much. That means so much to me. And I've heard that a lot because like I said on the show, I was not a look queen, but I am now. You know what? And that's the thing that I have to remember and the fans have to remember what you see on the show. That doesn't mean anything. It's one slice of what a drag artist is. 100%. It's a competitive atmosphere and you don't have control over the challenges. Yeah, so absolutely. The, 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 only th- the only way that you can really show your authentic self is in the confessional, your entrance look, which I didn't, I was dumb and wore a wig and I thought I was going to turn it because, you know, they walk in, you meet the girls mm-hmm, and then on the mm-hmm. runway, I'm going to take it off and tell my story. Well, that didn't happen on our, no, no. you know, but um, the confessionals, your entrance look. And then um, if you were to have an opportunity to change into like a lip sync outfit for like the music video or something, what if you don't get that far? Right. So yeah, this is, this is now you have the platform and the resources that you can really take your drag and like, who am I now? What do Absolutely. I want the world to see me like now? Yeah, I, I always say that like watching Ginger Minge on the show, I was not a fan of, I was like, she's mean, she's evil. And then I went yeah, to drag see her. her. Yeah, I went to see her um, at the Lori Beachman in New York doing her cabaret. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. I was completely wrong. Like, this is her element. This is what she does. And, and she's become one of my absolute favorites. Like, you, listeners, friends, people who watch Drag Race, you go out and see the drag talent after the show. That's when they're in their element. I have to really take this moment, this opportunity to highlight the Arizona drag community. Absolutely. It's the good. drag scene here is unreal. It is so good. Like the quality, the diversity, if you, no matter what kind of drag you do here in Phoenix, there is a show and a crowd for you. A lot of our shows are on the same nights just because that's how mm. it is sometimes. They don't compete with each other. They're always packed. Like if you, if you like to do alternative drag, something spooky or, or like play with the prosthetics or the fake blood or the slime, come to the queer agenda on Tuesdays. You have Dolly, you've got Coco, you've got Astrid, you've got Benediction, you've got that. If you're a pageant girl, if you want to do Miss America, we have a show elements in BF West Scottsdale for you. And you want to give your, if you want to be in a gown, if you, if you have some beautiful breasts that you want to show off, we have a show for you. Come to our show. If you want to be top 40, Kim Petras, Dua Lipa, Pussycat Dolls, Brittany, that's our show for some review. Like, and they all support each other. It's a, yeah. it's a sickening city to like grow your drag in. To that's be the per- a, was a perfect a perfect segue because we we're just about to talk about the local drag scene in Phoenix. Word. How, how would you describe it? Is, is there? It's amazing. It's it... so good. Phoenix. I had been doing drag for one year before I moved to Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, in my head, I'm like, they don't need to know that. Exactly. I'm. I'm gonna come here and I'm gonna be one of the bitches. You know, not the bitches literally, but like I'm gonna be 
established. I don't want to be a new girl. That was my big thing. I don't want to be a new girl. I don't want to run for newcomer US of A. I want to do regular new US of A. I want to compete against the heavy hitters, the big dogs. And if I am in last place, then I'm last place against the, the big dog. Right. Kind of like I would say that about a season. Like, do you want to be top two in a boring season or last place in the most epic season? I'm going to be second to last place on one of the most epic seasons. Yeah. But it, just how it grooms you. But this city really embraced me. It embraced my drag. Um, I am on cast at Force and Review, which is, a, I owe so much of my drag <laughs> career to. Um, and my favorite thing about the show that we did is every queen who has been in, on cast, they never came from another show. They never were had a platform before the show. They're, they grew with the show. And it sure. used to be booger boot, busted, nasty, trailer trash. And now it has grown into probably... And I might be biased, but probably one of the best drag shows in Phoenix, in Arizona. We have the stage, the lighting, the sound of the bar that we've moved to is sickening. Thank you, Jeff. Um, our show director, Andrew, thank you so much. We bring in, we're the only show that brings in Rue Girls on a regular basis. They ask to come back. They remember the bar. The crowd is always sickening. They tip hundreds, literally. We love that. Like Party B at the last show. It's sickening. Like this show is iconic. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, again, I was following you when um, the show came out. So I remember like the poster very, very well and seeing your individual, individual portraits and then put all together. And yeah, it's Scotty really... Kirby, he's a famous photographer. He shots, he shoots all of our, all of our promos. Yeah, it, it's really cool to see how a show can last over time, especially um, after COVID and how that really yeah. did affect our industry um, heavily. It did. I remember when we got our checks. Remember those checks that they would mm-hmm. send? And like we're buying groceries. And I'm like, okay, I got my first phone call for the show. I'm just gonna buy hair. Ironically, <laughs> yeah. I spent it on wigs. <laughs> there it is. Now you have taken your platform and created an event in Phoenix called Bubblegum. What can we expect? Tell us all about it. I am so excited about Bubblegum. I did four volumes this year and I'm really happy with them. Candy Muse did the inaugural Bubblegum mm-hmm. Volume 1. So Bubblegum, it's a dance party, but it's kind of this really sweet cheese sugar theme. So I have um, a candy buffet. Um, there's gum, not just pieces of gum, packs of gum. I love that. All on every table, every service of the bar, step and repeat, photo ops, um, last year we had a VIP section and you got a glass of champagne when you walked in and the entire night it's bubblegum pop music nostalgia I want when I talk to the DJs that I bring in I'm like I want people to hear songs that take them back to being in the club when they're 19 16 when they're not supposed to be in there <laughs> and that it just takes them back to when they were baby gays or I want if I have really young gays coming I want to groom them like this is what a party should be like this is the safe space where you can be yourself a lot of I feel like a lot of the boys here in Phoenix are so nervous to express their gender fluidity their feminine side and we do have a lot of parties out here but they're very like I'm gonna put my harness on I'm gonna get really sweaty and that's what and I'm gonna hear Pots and pans the entire night. Now, love, I love me a pots and pans moment, baby. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm at almost all of them. 
But I'm a drag queen. I love lyrics. I love my Beyonce, my Britney, my Ari. And I want to hear that when I go out. And I'm sure there's other people that do too. So Bubblegum is a safe space where you can just be as queer as you want to be. And if you want to turn a look, you now have an excuse to dress up. You don't have to wait for Halloween every year. You have a step and repeat. I have a photographer and a videographer at every single one. And so it's going to get recorded. You're going to get photos that are professionally done. We've got pop-up drag. Olivia Lux did the last one that I did. It was, it was so sickening. And um, I just wanted to be a party that's just like all skin tones, all skin types, all body types, just like a melting pot of a queer community. And we don't have that here. So I'm really trying to, to groom this so that it can be just, it's only quarterly right now, but maybe it could be like a once a month thing where it's just no, no. questions asked. That's where you know you're going to go. That's where everyone goes. It doesn't matter. Are you a drag queen? Are you a circuit gay? Are you are you a gay who's just trying to go out for a drink? It doesn't matter who you're trying to hang out with or who, where, you're, where you're going or where you come from. You're going to come and you're going to spend your time here. And it's inspired a lot by um, Queen and Chicago. Mm -hmm, if you go there sure. and you just see every gay, it doesn't matter what clique they're from. They're there to have a good time. Um, Evita in Los Angeles, mm -hmm. anybody who's somebody is there and they're just, they're, their guard is down. Everyone is, everyone looks sickening. And that's, that's what I'm really trying to grow right now. I love and that. I mean, I, take it to I'm other cities. I'm definitely going to have to come for a visit and attend because that's yes. my kind of music. I, I'm definitely here for that kind of music because yeah, we did it. We did we did music videos at the last, we have a big projector at the mm. bar, we did it at. And so the entire night I had like Jessica Simpson music videos. They're like um, most popular girls in school videos playing or or um, clips from Drag Race or Charmed or um, Bring It On or yeah. just any throwback or any kind of clueless. Um, Happy fun Heathers. Yeah, that are just like that you would say, if gays were to call something iconic, that is what would be playing on the screen, you know? I love that. Why is it important to have an event like Bubblegum? People want, we need to have, we need to have a safe space. We don't have a safe space. We had recent things on the news that we that just proved once again that we do not have a safe space and we can't just cower and go back into our homes and just have the fear of going out. Yeah. We have to fight even harder and let it be known that this is our space. This is not your space, but if you would like to join us, you are more than welcome. But we just have to make our presence known. We've, we're here, we've been here, we're not going anywhere. Welcome. You're just, you've just learned about us, but we're here and we are responsible for so much that happens in life. Like every celebrity that you look up to that you see, who did their hair and makeup? We're, we're a part, we're a part of so many pieces of life. So we need to have a safe space. We need to be able to express ourselves. We don't need to skate culture. So based on being hidden and tucked away. And I feel like we have this like renaissance, this revolution that's really brewing right now with gay culture and we are mainstream. Drag race is mainstream. You know, we are Absolutely. here with Shangela and Bob and Eureka. We're not a secret. So that's what this event is. I love that. I think it's very important. I'm really, really glad you are making it happen. Thank you. Yeah, I, I'm really excited about it. And, you know, I'm learning a lot. Like, I'm a cis white boy mm -hmm. from the Midwest. I only know what I know. And I've learned so much since the show and since Drag Race and Bubblegum. I've just learned learned so many things. I've learned about the ballroom scene. Um, I, 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 
just have, I, I, my mind is just like a sponge and I just want to soak it all up. Okay, now what can I do with my platform that can just be the most beneficial thing? And this is kind of what, what landed on that. This like, I think I'm capable of doing this. I can do that. So we're doing it. We're trying. Now, obviously you would love to expand and do other parties. You have other ideas for the future. Yeah. So I've only done four bubble gum. It's not there yet. It, it, they're, they're a blast, but I need to get them to be like a well-oiled machine. You sure. know, I'm bringing on some staff for it and I need them to be you make sure I have a consistent, reliable team because I'm going to take this to other cities down the road. You know, Bubblegum meets Los Angeles. Bubblegum comes to New York City. Bubblegum goes to London, whatever we want to do. But it's not in a place right now where I'm like, I know if I were to bring it to another city, right? Um, it would be 100% success. I want to know the event is going to be a 100% success with me not being there. That's the goal. Absolutely. I love that. Now, in addition to your amazing party, you have a lot of amazing merch available on My Best Judy featuring the fabulous uh, gay necklace. They're sickening. They're my handwriting. I I love it. And and you've partnered with Candles or Die for the gay candle. Um, Tell us about that, because that's very important as well. So Candles or Die, this is a company that I met two years ago at Phoenix Pride. And we, the Force and Review, which is the cast that I'm on, we uh, opened up for Deborah Cox. So I had an hour mm-hmm. show and it was, sick- no, it's 45 minutes. It was sickening. So the entire thing was choreographed. Everyone had a number, everyone had dancers, everyone had visuals that my friend Colin made for us. We had props and it was like a drag concert. It wasn't like a normal drag show. All right, give it up for CZBCZ sure. or whoever. And then like there's downtime. The music, you press play and it was a track. 45 minute track, no stop. Movies, videos, dancers, transitions. And then it ended and it was thickening. So we did that show and um, someone comes up to me with this little bag and there's a few candles in it. And he's like, I'm a big fan. Uh, my name is Evan O'Shea. I'm with Candles or Die. We are a local LGBT company. He does them out of his home. And we just stayed in touch. And over the next year and a half, like we we're like, what if we did a candle together? Like I've always wanted to do it. We could do something for the holidays. Then uh, I went over to where he makes everything. And um, we created the recipe for what the candle smells like. So I, I get to say, I made the recipe myself. Cause I was like, I want to do this, this much of like a vanilla wood and this much of like a blue musk. And I really like this, this old wood and this coriander. No, I, I don't like that one. Let's, let's try this. And we came up with the ratio for everything, took the scent and then he poured the candles himself. And we did 50 of them. We, we didn't know what it was going to be. So we're like, we're going to do something really small, something really mm-hmm. local. And we'll put them out for the holidays and we'll just see how they do. And $5 of every candle sold goes towards the, the Colorado Healing Fund, which is an organization in Colorado who is giving back to the families, the communities, and the victims right. of the recent Colorado shootings. That's amazing. Well, I'll have to get a candle if they're still available. Are there? Are there any they're left? cute. And you know what? You know what? I have one right here. I'm going to read it to you. It's so funny. So it's my definition of gay. So like here it, it is. I don't know if you've seen it, but it says gay keenly alive and exuberant or having inducing high spirits. B, believes the new Rihanna album is coming out. <laughs> C, an individual possibly flamboyant who possesses a killer sense of style 
walks at a pace of 124 beats per minute and could go for a vodka soda or iced coffee at any hour of the day, mm-hmm. hashtag brunch. So get it. it's what my booty smells like. Just kidding, but it's the gayest candle <laughs> year I've ever had. I love that. <laughs> All right, we're going to play our first game. It's called Finish the Sentence. It's super easy. I'll give you a sentence. You just got to finish it. Okay. My favorite animal is? Popper. <laughs> My favorite Next color question. is? <laughs> um, yellow. If I had a superpower, I would want to have? Apple products. If I were stranded on a deserted island, the three items I must have with me are? A wig a brush, and another wig. The headlining act at Joey J Fest would be? Pink. The Desperate Housewife I would, I like, would be. Is that like when they're playing a movie? They're like playing a movie, they're playing you? Yeah. Yeah, that night had Pink play me. That'd be sickening. The Desperate Housewife I would be is? Erica Jane. If I were a character from Lord of the Rings, I would be? Oh my God. Uh, Hold on a second. I think it depends. Like, do you want to be like a really seedy orc, like in the middle mm-hmm. of the night, like during Pride Weekend? Or do you want to be like sickening Galadriel, like and turn it out right. with your book for a show? Or do you want to be Gandalf, who is just sickening all around? Right. There's options. How well, would what you- would you be? Who would I be? I mean, I love Orlando Bloom. I, he just, he, he was fun. I love him. Oh, he's him. such a pretty boy. I can't. I know he is. I can't even um, with her. She's the diva the whole right? season. My favorite international drag race queen is? Envy Peru. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and when I got the call for drag race, I was? Oh, my God. Emotional. It was Mm -hmm. so good, but in a good way, in a good way. I get very, I'm not like a Kim Kardashian where I can just cry, but I get very verklempt where I can't get any words out. And um, I could cry right now. I love it. Oh, it's such a, it's such a good, warm, happy memory. Yeah. And I love it. Oh, I felt so good. He goes, and he had, a, he had, um, I remember who, who called me, but he had a British accent. He goes, you're going to be a real girl. And I was like, what do I wear? <laughs> I love that. All right. Well, you mentioned to me, you have a lot of pop favorite divas of all your favorite divas. Who is your signature number performance? What, who do you perform the most? Um, so this changes. But right now, I've noticed this year, I am a huge fan of Pablo Vitar. Pablo Vitar is the Absolutely. first drag queen to com- compete well. She won perform at Coachella uh, yes. from Brazil. I don't speak Portuguese, but I love everything that Pablo says. Mm-hmm. And um, I performed Flash, po- Flash Pose by Pablo Vitar and Charlie. I had to pay my rent. Yeah. Time and time again. I've done production numbers with it. We've done videos to it. I love what Pablo Vitar is doing. And I would I would probably fangirl over Pablo Vitar over all the other celebrities that I mm-hmm. listen to. Maybe because I feel like they're obtainable. Like you did what yeah. I want to do, you know? I love that. Well, music is universal. It brings people together and helps give a little insight on a person. In this game, we are going to create a playlist of nine songs that are the soundtrack to your life. This is Joey's ultimate playlist. So I'm going to give you a prompt and you're going to give me a song. A song that reminds you of the best concert you've been to. 
Oh my God. Um, anything from Lemonade, Beyonce. A song that reminds you of home. A song that reminds me of home. I would say, um, this is, oh, I would say Hands to Myself. All right. By Selena Gomez. That takes a me song, back to Madison, Wisconsin. I love that. A song that helps you decompress. A song that helps me decompress. I'm cheating. Absolutely. Go. You're allowed to use any playlist you have. Oh my God. A song that, so I think my decompressing might be different, but when I listen to things that are, that get me wanting to dance, that mm-hmm. are like makes me feel good like that, that's, that makes me decompress. I'll probably say, um, into you by Ariana Grande. All right, I love that. Thickening lip sync. Yeah, listen, I I also like to listen to upbeat, fun music if I need to decompress. So Mika is usually my go-to. Yeah, yeah. A song that reminds you of Pride. Um. Oh my gosh, let's do um, Heather Small. Proud. Absolutely, I love that one. One hundred percent. A song that you sing at karaoke. I don't sing karaoke. I get paid to sound like any celebrity that I want. But if I were, if I were to do karaoke, it'd probably be the song Tequila because there's one word. I love it. A song that makes you happy. Pure Honey, Beyonce. That's probably my answer for the rest of them. (laughs) A song that makes you get ready to party. Bam. That's it. That's it. Uh, You know what? Can I, uh, can I interrupt? I'm going to ask you a question. Can I ask? Sure. Go for it. So Olivia asked me this when she was in town for bubblegum and I was with her and my sister, Miami night. And, um, Olivia says, okay, you look sexy. Everyone is looking at you. You're having the time of your life and you're on the middle of the dance floor with a couple drinks in you and just it's top notch and you feel the best. What song is playing? Hmm. Honestly. Queen, don't stop me now. Work. That's a good one. That's I'm really, really good. Miami was like, um, redneck woman. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> I love that. But I said um, pure honey for that. A song that reminds you of Drag Race. Bring back my girls. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. song, it brings a little bit of PTSD and a little bit of let's go out all at once. And a song that made you who you are. A song that made me who I am. I am going to say Only Girl in the World by Rihanna. And the reason why is it's the first, this song is so sentimental to me. It's um, the first song I ever performed in. It's the song that I won talent in at nationals at US of A. And it's the song that has paid my bills time and time again. I know it at the back of my hand, the back of my hand, the back of my heart. If if I were to lip sync on Drag Race, it'd be over for them. Like that would be the song. Yeah, I love that. Well, let's talk about Drag Race a little bit. Now, without divulging too much of what you're not allowed to share, once you receive the official call, what was the process like for you preparing for Drag Race? Well, the NDA is done, so let's go. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was thinking, say that question one more time. 
Uh, what was the process like for you preparing for Drag Race? So preparing for Drag Race was kind of wild because we were in the middle of a pandemic. Um, preparing was wild because there were no shows happening. Sure. And, um, no stores were really open. And I was so... I was so nervous about getting kicked off of the show for saying that I was on it. Mm-hmm. I didn't tell like almost a soul. Like my mom knew, Colin knew, my sis Miami knew. And I went out to, I didn't tell any of the designers here in Phoenix because I didn't want the Phoenix sure. drag scene to get involved or figure out. No one from Phoenix has been on. And um, I um, went to LA, drove out there, went to the fabric garment district, Bought all this fabric. Me, not the sewer. I went over and I sewed some of my, like the big tongue that I wore. I sewed mm-hmm. that. Um, and we started making all these pieces for the show. And um, I don't know why. I Looking back, if I were to do it differently, I would have reached out to more designers. And I was just so paranoid. And I was so nervous that like, I quit my job and I put all my eggs in this basket. And um, sure. this was all that I had to, I had to get there and I had to do it. I didn't care what it was going to be when I got there, but I just had to get there, but I would have totally reached out to other designers, but it was really stressful. But at the end of the day, I was um, a lot of like the things that were safe or the things that they liked or didn't like, it was because I made it mm-hmm. like they, the tongue was safe. I was safe on a garment that I made. What the the poison ivy bag moment. I made that like the iconic one. I didn't pay someone thousands and thousands of dollars. I made that with blood, sweat and hot glue, you know? And, um, I'm really proud of it. So you should be, Yeah, I, 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 I know how stressful the, um, preparation processes. I was on team honey Davenport when she went on, um, I spent many, 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 many hours, rhinestoning things that never saw the light of day um but it it was okay because it was really fun to like have that collaborative process and I will never forget like we literally got her into the uber to the airport because we finished at 5 a.m putting everything into her fucking bags we are on our way to the airport we're going to be late and we're trying to weigh the buckets and we're packing and we're on our way to like wait and my um my best one of my best friends uh, he's no longer with us, but this means so much to me. He bought me a portable DVD player so mm-hmm. I could have it in the hotel because we wouldn't I have any internet access. And we're on our way to the airport. And I'm like, wait, we have to go to the porn store. And I bought a <laughs> DVD of porn and I brought it with to filming. And um, that's probably one of the most touching memories. I love on our way to the show before I got my phone taken away. I love that. Now, no matter how long you last on the season, you placed your stamp on every moment you possibly could, starting with your entrance line, Filler Queen. What was the origin of this? Um, what With Drag Race aspirations, did you always know that was going to be your entrance line? I didn't know what to say. And here's the thing. And I would give this piece of advice to any queen who wants to go on the show. They're all fierce. Mm-hmm. You might think you're fierce. Well, so are they. Yeah. And they are going to walk in looking fierce as fuck, looking amazing. And what is going to set you apart? What is going to build? Remember, when they walk in, like, how would you describe yourself in three words? Don't say fierce. You know what I mean? So I walked in and I'm like, I'm going to make a joke. Think about Katya. 
just right. funny, pretty, fierce, but really, really memorable. So how often I'm going to say the controversial words, filler queen. And I don't know if, if you're familiar with it, but filler queen is a term for a queen that only gets put on drag race mm-hmm. just to be eliminated right away. Well, one, did I lie? Two, <laughs> if I were to make top four or win, y'all just got whooped by a filler queen. Absolutely. You know, I love that. So I wanted to show a sense of humor and um, that I like, I just wanted to be relatable, another person, a humble person. We're here to have a really good time. Send me home, but we're going to laugh while I'm here, you know? Absolutely. Now, I, as someone who recaps all the shows, I am very much learning um, about how some people decide what they're going to walk into the room with, because you don't know what is about to happen. Most of the time, there's some sort of photo shoot, and you know, you, you don't want something to get destroyed because it could be water, it could be you, you never know. But your entrance look became very iconic for the chicken feathers. Did you know it was going to happen? No, of course not. I'll be honest, it was one of my favorite looks that I had. My friend Sadi Fierce from Wisconsin made that for me, and um. It was really fierce when I first got it. And yeah, feathers would kind of fly every now and then. They were feather boas. But it was like the inspiration was that J-Lo piece with the ostrich feathers. You can have money. You know what I mean? Right. So I'm going to have these chicken feathers. And to me, that's that's drag. Like I started drag in Wisconsin. And that's it was a really draggy costume. And I had the wet hair. I, to this day, I still think it was fierce. Yeah, it could have had ostrich feathers. But you know what? All those queens were still paying off those designers literally after the show and I was good baby and are they walking around saying ostrich feathers no they're saying chicken feathers so exactly it was an investment for being memorable (laughs) now your season broke the mold with a huge plot twist where two queens would enter and you would find out immediately you had to go lip sync for your life on the main stage in front of the judges you and candy muse were the first pair into the workroom to make this historic moment happen what were you feeling when you realized um, this is not the drag race I knew? Well, I remember, I think I'm really good at taking a situation and making it lighthearted. Mm-hmm. And RuPaul says, I'm giving you the pork chop. And I was like, medium? <laughs> right. They didn't put that on. But um, then I'm like leaving and I go, they got me, gal, which is what Ginger Minch said. And mm-hmm. <laughs> he was leaving. They didn't put that on either. But um. I was really sad and um, I did remember walking out, there were the cameras, but there was no ugly RuPaul trophy. Right. Something's up, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? There's no van, there's no, and I'm like, do I have to de-drag at the airport? I was just put back, I I was put back into a trailer and because we were the first to lip sync, let me tell you this. The staff had to have their mandatory hour lunch. And so I think I was in that trailer for at least four or five hours. Oh my God. With this wig and chicken feathers. And, Cause you don't know what's going to happen. And I, they literally were, they kind of had us under the impression we were being eliminated and we're sitting in there for so long. And I was like, what if I took my makeup off? <laughs> Fucking imagine like one of the queens thought they were actually going home and takes their makeup off only to go right back on because we didn't have anything with us. We didn't have any right. of our makeup, our costumes. They didn't even give us like, hey, we are going to take a change of clothes that you can change out of and put it in. I pretty much sat unzipped with just sitting there. 
and there's feathers everywhere. Right. Everywhere. And I'm like, I see these feathers all around. And I'm like, what have I done? What did I just do? I didn't do this the right way. My entire plan that worked up here crashed and burned. Now, as more queens arrived, did you start to realize, okay, this is a twist of some sort? I'm, I, we're, oh. we're staying. Oh my God. Okay. So um, I get called to pull, I get taken out of the trailer and um, I get mic'd up and I'm like, okay, are we going to do like a whatcha pack in? Mm-hmm. Like, are we just going to look at my bin? Like I haven't even unpacked an outfit. And um, I go, what am I going to go? And they're like, oh, we can't tell you. I'm like, well, what's in there? Okay, well, we can't tell you, but when you go in there, you're going to sit at the first chair closest to you. And I'm like, okay. So I go in there and I look and I see every first eliminated queen. And I'm like, well, at least that's iconic. Like I'm the first eliminated queen from Phoenix. I guess this makes sense. We never had someone from Phoenix. I didn't have a big team, whatever. A lot of these queens have big followings. And um, I sat there and I waited in silence for 45 minutes until I hear Denali's ice skates. Denali walks in looking gorgeous and defeated all at once. Hi, how are you? And we're chatting. And I'm like, I just can't believe it. Like I got call me maybe like I, or I said, like, can you believe call me maybe was the first song? Like how stupid or whatever. And she's like, call me maybe I had when I grow up and I'm like, <laughs> well, if I had that, I, I wouldn't be in the bottom. I would have right. gone home. Damn it. And so then I'm like, okay. And then and walks the next queen and um, we realize, okay, we have different lip syncs and who did you lip sync against? And I'm like, I don't think we're going home. I think this is just how we're going to split, split the premiere. Sure. And um, the gag was the intercom and was like, like Queens and the pork chop loading dock. Like you have to eliminate a fellow queen. And we were like, we don't know each other. Right. What do we base it off of? We didn't see each other's lip sync. We don't know each other's drag. And Elliot was the very last one to walk in. So she didn't know any of us. Right. And I, in my head, I was like, bitch, I'm not going home because I was the first motherfucker in here. Right, right. I got to know all these divas one by one, get to know their, what their rising sign is and everything. Like, so I felt bad for the queens that walked in last. When it came to the vote, did you think that person was going to go home or did you think, okay, they're not going to just eliminate someone without them doing a full main stage? I thought they went home. I thought they went home and I thought that was really shitty. And um, then when we were reunited with our lip sync partners mm-hmm. as the groups, when our groups were reunited, I was like, okay, I think they're going to bring Elliot back. So. Episode three, all the poor chalk queens sans Elliot returned to write and perform a verse on the track Phenomenon, which I sincerely believe was the far superior of the two tracks, Um, especially since we had so many iconic and quotable lyrics. Um, This is how we got I'm a gas bitch from Joey J, which became really your brand had you prepared any of your rhymes or phrases and did you work as a group to kind of form this song we made no we were not with each other at all when we were making the song we came up with the lyrics individually in our um hotel rooms by ourselves so our first time hearing it all together was when we heard the track and that's when we had to go make the routine Mm -hmm. so there was no discussion or anything i just remember being super caffeinated like I'm a gay ass bitch. It's like, I'm Joey J. I'm like, that's a good line. That's yeah. me. That's who I am. 
it's funny. And then I'm like, okay, well, I said filler queen when I walked in. A filler queen plot twist that came to slay because that was my strategy. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was really an amazing song. Now, aside from your own, are there any verses or lyrics from the song that your favorite? Our, uh, let me think. Let me think about this song. Um, Denali's was the perfect one to go first. Mm-hmm. I love that. Tamisha Iman is coming for you was classic. Thickening. Kamora Hall, her entire verse is just thickening in general. Utica's, I was like, this, this bitch is crazy and weird. Like I remember hearing it and I'm like, work diva, work. But now we're like the close, I think we're like two of the closest queens from the cast now. Um, but I just, all in all, I thought we all did a really, really good job. We were all there to play the game. It was a sickening song. I remember when we first had to write lyrics to congratulations I was like oh I'm not really feeling this and then they're like oh we're Mm -hmm. changing your song and I'm like of course they are and then I heard it and I was like great yeah now when you did all come together as a cast of season 13 had you known anyone prior to the show so Utica and I knew of each other based off of mutual friends we actually just went to their wedding amazing Uh, so fun maybe um, Omega and Brock. Omega is a spooky ookie queen in the Midwest. I really want them to do Dragula. So we knew of each other there. I knew Kamora and Janali, but I not like super personally, but I sure. was in Milwaukee and Phoenix and they were in Chicago. Kamora says to me, she's like, I knew you'd be here. And I was that means a lot coming from Kamora. And um Denali and I both did the same amateur drag competitions in Chicago, but different seasons of it, but we did that. And then Tanisha Iman is US of A royalty. So mm-hmm. I knew who that was. I didn't, did not know who Elliot was. Yeah, for, for it was always fun for oh, me. Oh, and I like, didn't know who Rosé was either. I'm such a bad gay. <laughs> so well, that's what's fun for me. Cause like I've, I've known Rosé since like, she was a baby queen. Um, I crowned her Lady Liberty for that competition. Um, I was one on the judging panel that entire season. So it, it's like, it was special for me to see her on the show. But for me, it was really exciting to see our New York queens and me as a New Yorker knowing none of y'all run in the same circles. How is this going to work? And that was a kind of a plot line for the season. 100%. I remember. So I didn't, I knew who Jansport was. Mm-hmm. But I, I knew who Candy Muse was, but I didn't really know like that much. I just wasn't, I did drag one night a week. I wasn't super engulfed into, I had my own day job. I wasn't super engulfed into drag culture. Um, I was just starting to really like get myself submerged into it. And um, so I didn't know who um, Stephanie's child was. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know Rosé was a part of that or that Rosé was a singer. And I remember in my confessionals and being interviewed asking about all the different queens. And I was like, Rosé is really giving me Adam Lambert vibes. And they were like, you know, Rosé sings. And I'm like, shut up, that's sickening. So like, I thought that was really funny. So fun story about Rosé. Um, before Stephanie's child formed, I was producing a drag cabaret that was going to be all musical theater. And she was one of my three queens. And then she messaged me. She's like, I have to drop out. I'm joining my sisters. We're going to start Stephanie's Child. So that's always been a, a, a moment that I'll remember. Like I had Rosé first and then she did the right thing to go with um, Jan Laguna. <laughs> yeah. Now, thanks to Candy, she said it. Um, you were deemed the trade of the season. Um, 
And I'm sure since then you've been inundated with DMs galore, but what is it like to have this honor bestowed upon you? So first and foremost, I love it, but I think that this is one thing that is so, so cool. So being this little gay boy, feminine, not built, not Jack, not mask. Um, I think it's so cool that my entire life to be really, really sexy or trade was some like someone who was really like male straight acting. And um, that's what, that's what gay culture as a guy was like to just like be the epitome of this masculine man. But that's not what I am. That's not what a lot of us are. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm being dubbed the so-called trade of the season, which I am not trade if you look the definition up um but um I'll be clear about that but we're gonna put this little gay boy who had this little drag fantasy and we're gonna put him on the pedestal of trade and we're gonna idolize that I think that's so cool and I just think it's proof that you know we're evolving and that it's not all about being this hyper masculine figure like I'm just a little gay boy Now, we spoke earlier that wigs were maybe not your thing prior to Drag Race. You brought wigs with you. Were you expecting to be critiqued for both wigs or wigless? Because there's a certain judge who likes to sometimes um, call out the non-drag traditions in people's looks. No, of course. I'm an idiot. Of course I knew it was going to happen. But here's the thing. And I tell this to a lot of people. They go on the show and they're like, I'm really worried about the edit. I'm really worried about the storyline or what they're going to make me look like. And um, if you are your 100% genuine self, no matter what comes out of your mouth, you have nothing to worry about. Mm -hmm. And I knew I was going to get critiqued. And I knew that some people are kind of set in their ways on what they like or dislike, and that's totally okay. I have my favorites for my own specific reasons, whether they're a singer or a drag queen, et cetera. But um, I knew that I would need to hear it, and probably other people would need to hear it, and the audience would really like to hear it. And I just said, this is when I look into the mirror and I do drag, this is what I see. And yeah, I brought some wigs to, you know, give some variation and play the drag race game. But I'm going to be honest with you. This is what I see when I look at myself in drag. You can't clock that. You can't knock that. It's genuine and that's who it is. So I'm really happy that I said it like that. What's really interesting is this year, Danny Beer gets um, crowned. And she was very much known for never wearing wigs and kind of altered that for drag race. Right. Um, and it was kind of rich coming from Michelle being like, I knew you when you didn't have wigs. And here she is, crown queen with a wig on sometimes. Now, now. I do play with hair every now and then. Yeah. And, you know, I like to get into the fantasy and things, but sometimes it's just not practical for what I want to do. Absolutely. But I do think that, you know, drag is my career. It's what I'm basically studying. I view drag as kind of like I'm trying to get my PhD in it. And there's facets of drag that you should know how to do. You should know how to do hair. You should know how to wear hair. Absolutely. You know how to sew a little bit. So I have some wigs that I'm breaking out, you know, but it's not my like shtick. Now, Lala Ree will forever be remembered for the bag look. Um, I wanted you to stay so badly. Um, perhaps I was a little biased, but I felt like that bag look 
should have been dismissal on on the spot like <laughs> go home you cannot believe you wore that but yeah. do you think track record played any part in your elimination I do. That's my conspiracy theory. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. I'm going to say it. Why not? So um, we, I remember I, me and some of the dolls, we were all hanging out together. And um, one of the people who was on set with us was there and they had quit. And um, we're back and we're getting ready to film uh, we're getting ready to film um, the promo mm -hmm. and um, she's giving us all the tea and everything. And I asked her and I was a little drunk. And I was like, I have a question for you. When I was eliminated, um, was it legitimate? Did I do really bad drag? Because I didn't think it was that bad. I knew it wasn't the best, but I didn't think it was that bad. And she told me she could be, she could have been being dishonest this time. I have nothing to vouch for. But she goes, you are safe. You were not in the bottom. But then the fight broke out between Tamisha and Candy, who were both in the bottom. And we needed closure. So they swapped you. Yeah, that checks out. I mean, hey, listen. As so, but who knows? knows? I mean, but who knows? But right. I mean, honestly, sickening. We're here mm -hmm. to make a TV show. I'm not here Absolutely. running Continental. And I understand that. And um, I honestly think it worked out incredibly well because on the show, I never had a bad episode. You never right. saw me in a horrible light. You never saw me bombing a challenge. I had two really good lip syncs um, that were really memorable. I had a really memorable verse. I had really fun confessionals. Mm -hmm. I feel like I got in, I got my platform got my brand and I'm living the life I want to live right now. You know what I mean? Like, absolutely. I think, and I, when I walked in, like I told you, I didn't reach out to all these same designers that everyone else did. I was too nervous. I didn't have money. And I walked in the workroom and I saw the teams that yeah. put these packages together. And I was like, there's no fucking way I'm going to win this. Like it was really defeating. And I feel like I got in people know who I am. They got to see me for who I am. And I got out right when I needed to. And now I get to like live my dream. It's amazing. Now season 15, right around the corner. Um, anyone you're excited to see and would you give any Tasha advice? Colby. There it is. Any advice to um, your new sisters? Oh my gosh. Be genuine. They say, thank you. Be appreciative. Um, managers are crazy. And what I mean by that is um, a lot of these managers, this is a really good piece of advice, I think, for anyone who just got on Drag Race. There's going to be a lot of managers who are going to probably want to work with you in some degree. And a lot of them to you, not all of them, but a lot of them, you're just a dollar sign. And right. some of them are just better at hiding it than others. So um, keep track of your gigs and how much you're owed. Stay on top of it. Always, there's nothing wrong with asking for your money. The show wouldn't be anything without you. So your manager is nothing without the talent. Absolutely. So just know your worth and ask what you think you're worth for. And um, there's nothing wrong with that. So just stay on top of your shit. I, I'm very excited for this season personally, because uh, three former guests of the podcast are going to be on. 
Yeah. Um, I've had Marsha, Marsha, Marsha on. She's done a couple of recaps. I've known Princess Poppy for a very, very long time before she moved to San Francisco. And Jax, I literally have watched since day one when they did their oh very God. first performance. And then we crowned her um, iconic for their, our third season of the competition. So it's very special to have oh, that I love cast. that. Yeah, I'm very excited. Well, we're going to play a quick round of Tea Time where you're going to get to spill some tea on some of your favorite sisters, your local sisters, your friends. And we'll see if you have any stories you want to share. Okay. All right, let's start off with Toothpick. Toothpick. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, um, Toothpick and I, we didn't, we didn't get along for a little bit in the very beginning. There was something about it where like, we, I think just both rubbed each other the wrong way. And we didn't like, we, we had, it was harder for us to build like a friendship, but sometimes I think friendships that start out like that, they, um, they're more elastic and have more longevity in the long run. And so now we get along really, really well. We uh, host shows together now. We have a lot of fun. Toothpick, I think this is one of the coolest things ever. When I started doing Force and Review, Toothpick was the DJ and would DJ mm-hmm. and drag. And uh, which I- iconic, having yeah. a drag queen DJ and, so t- and was visible and you could see the DJ booth and the stage. And then when Toothpick started doing numbers in the show, Toothpick would put like eight seconds of silence in the beginning and the end of her track that she could press play and run up in the back and get on stage on time for the music. I love that. And then she would finish and then run to the back so that she could pause and then change in the DJ booth for her next right. And you wouldn't know. You would have no idea. And then she would just come out in a whole new look. I love that. Sickening. Next is Gia Colby. Gia Colby. Gia Colby. Oh my goodness. Um, is one of my sisters. Gia, the very first promo that we shot with Scotty Kirby for Force and Review that I was going to be in, it was a black and yellow theme. Like black and gold. I think that's what it was. And um. I remember I wore this like black woven metallic collar and these black pants, which I still have. And um, I wore the black scale Game of Thrones thing shirt. I wore that same shirt on the nighttime runway for the mm-hmm. dual runway. Yeah. And um, Gia had told our show director behind my back and said, can you please make sure she brings a wig tomorrow? And I remember Gia was the hardest one to crack for me in the beginning. I was like, I'm new to Phoenix and I feel like I'm really getting along with these other queens. We had Piper, who's at Charlie's now, and then Luna Love, who is um, Sonique Love's daughter. Mm-hmm. And um, But Gia, I was like, Andrew, I feel like I'm having a hard time cracking her. Like, I don't know. And now, like, we're so close. And I love that. All right, next up, Salem V. Salem V. So Salem is Gia's daughter. One Minx is um, Gia's daughter as well. Salem is sickening. Um, you know, we're just a little sisterhood now. Like I said, our drag has grown with the show that we're in. And um, it's so nice to just see these queens from when they first started to where they are now. I'm having Salem make me a wig 
Oh, which I'm wearing on Friday. I'm so excited. It's going to give you kind of like sexy mullet vibes with human tracks. So it's going to still be Love like that. high fashion, but still kind of rocker. So she's sewing and uh, I, she's just, she's just a really good soul. And I think she's so funny. Her partner, Travis D, who also does drag is sickening and Salem is just goofy. She's like the Georges of Phoenix. We're mm-hmm. all like, oh my God. Like when we saw Georges or I, I went to, I remember I went to Nashville and I met Georges before she was on Drag Race and I come back home and I'm like, Salem reminds me of Georges. They're like small and petite and little powerhouses. Like, so she's sickening. She yeah. performs, she always performs Black Eyed Peas and she does like all the members <laughs> and it's I love that. so funny. All right, let's talk about Minx. Minx. Oh my gosh. So Minx Milo. Minx Milo is our bitch on Twitch. So she's always playing video games and she's <laughs> a mad scene. She's really good friends with like bitch pudding and she did TwitchCon. Mm-hmm. Minx is sickening. I have this memory where Minx and I were day drinking and okay. um, I think we were out all night on Saturday all night Saturday and then Sunday morning the sun's up and we're we're having a great time and we're like let's go to brunch so we go to brunch and um we're having a great time and then brunch turns into Sunday fun day Mm -hmm. and so we're still going and there's a scene and I remember like I think Minx is kind of like teary-eyed and I'm saying to Minx and I'm like I would do anything for you you're my girl like you're my sister and I would do anything for you. And then we both like fell on the sidewalk. <laughs> That's how Sunday fun days should work. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next up, Miami night. Miami night. Oh my God. So Miami night is a hairstylist in Los Angeles. And um, Miami night used to live in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And when Miami was Miss Gay, Wisconsin, I was Mr. Gay, Wisconsin. And I've been 11, I think. And um, yeah, that tracks. And um, now whenever I go to LA, a lot of times I'm like, I don't need a hotel and I'll just stay at Miami's and we'll just, we'll talk all night. We'll go out. Miami is one of the reasons why I started getting booked in Los Angeles. And we would work the door at Rocco's. Mm-hmm. And um, Miami's just really, really good people. And Miami came for the most recent bubble gum when Olivia was here and we just shoot the shit. And I sent Miami a text message of a telephone. And that was when I got the call. Cause we're like, well, we 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 wanted to get on at the same time. Mm-hmm, so we both auditioned and I'm like, oh my God, we'll get on and we'll start so much shit. We'll start so much drama. You're going to walk into the workroom. I'm going to throw my heel at you. Like we, I hate you. We were going to just have a lot of fun with storyline and things. But Miami's killing it. She's on the Rockettes at Rocco's, successful hairstylist. She does, she like cuts Brooklyn's hair all the time. She's sickening. Next up is someone you did a little panto with, Lemon. Lemon. Um, Lemon, man. <laughs> Lemon is amazing. Lemon is iconic. Lemon and I were roommates during the panto and we were learning everything and we got along right away and um we just gravitated towards each other and um we text a lot still to this day and um lemon was so kind and delivered a weed pen to me at drag con at my oh booth. how sweet like, here's a weed pen I'm like oh my God, thank you so much. 
Um, but I love lemon. Lemon is sickening. I'm really happy that I got to meet them. I want the best, the best of the best for lemon. And I think she's iconic. And lemon is has that perfect, that perfect sense of delusion that a drag queen needs to be successful. Yes. Where at the end of the day, we are putting on like really elegant women's clothing and we are not even singing. Well, now she raps, but for drag, she's a raptress. singing to somebody else. And we take that and we are goddesses and we have to make other people believe that we are fucking goddesses. And Lemon does that. Absolutely. Lemon does it better than any of us. And I give her mad props. Yeah, she's another one I've known since uh, her early days of drag. Yeah. All right, next up, Theresa May. Theresa May. Oh my gosh. Theresa is so funny. Theresa was really, really great to have on tour. Theresa has a really good head on their shoulders. And um, I think Theresa is taking drag and running with it the right way. They mm-hmm. are booked and blessed and they had a platform and had things they wanted to show and deliver. And they did that. Theresa, as a judge on Spain, is brilliant every fantasy that I need and mm-hmm. I wish Teresa the best career and I want to see more like I want to I'm so excited to meet her just to tell her that I use my pussy as like a peach as my ringtone to wake up in the morning oh my gosh and Teresa would be so excited to hear that I love it so much uh next up the crown queen Simone Simone oh Simone I think it's one of the most humble queens from our season um I feel like a lot of queens will get on the show and then they'll kind of just get lost into the the glitz and the glamour of it. And Simone um, texts me happy birthday and responds when I reach out. And I, Simone is everything that our gay community needed. And Simone is killing it. And it's just... You can't clock Simone. Everything no. that Simone does, Simone shows her her culture in the perfect way. It educates us, shows us what d- her version of drag is, and executes it executes it so well. And I, Simone is breaking through the LGBT barrier of fame, and it's really breaking Absolutely. through the glass ceiling. And is is a mainstream. Mick is doing the same thing. And so, a lot of us are like, "Who do you think is going to win?" And all of us were like. Mick and Simone, those are our two. Double crown it. Yeah. Double crown it. Like we would be fine with that. Both of them are just, they're, they're amazing. Well, she's no longer sitting alone in VIP. Candy Muse. Candy Muse. So Candy Muse has come out to Phoenix several times. And Candy's really, I really, I have a lot of fun hanging out with Candy because like we like to have fun. We like to go out. Um, we're both very transparent. And so we just say it right off the cuff. And it's just, I, I really adore Candy. And I feel like before the show, mind you, this was like over two, three years ago now. Right. I was very much like a people pleaser and I wanted to make sure, keep the peace and make sure everybody was happy. And whenever I find myself in a situation where I feel kind of bothered, I go, what would Candy Muse do? I'm not even kidding. And I am vocal and I speak up and I say what's on my mind because that's what Candy Muse would do. And it has helped me in so many different ways, whether it's like speaking up for our community, whether it's calling people out in our community, whether it's with my own relationship with my friends or uh, my boyfriend, I always go, okay, what would Candy Muse do? And it's always, it has never let me down. I think we need a t-shirt now. What would Candy Muse do? Right. 
Next up, Denali. Oh my gosh, I was just texting Denali today. Denali is amazing. Um, I've stayed with Denali and Denali has come to Phoenix and um, we keep in touch. And uh, Denali is, uh, her trajectory is just endless. Yeah. Denali's an all-star, does not need to go on all-stars to be an all-star. Denali is always touring, always just impeccable, gives you body, natural body, gives you hair, always in Brazil. I feel like Denali's in Brazil more than she's in Chicago. (laughs) And um, it's just so nice to see. I feel like the Denali we're seeing today is like so evolved than what was on the show. Not saying that what was on the show was not as good, but I feel like Denali is giving me this like we're really seeing her culture in it. Like, I feel like Denali is giving me Anita. Denali is giving me like this Latin drag powerhouse dancing. Savage Fenty. Like, it's giving me sex siren. And we didn't see sex siren on Drag Race. And we're really seeing it now. And I think it fits. I love it. Next up, Olivia Lux. Olivia Lux, I love her. I love her so much. Olivia's amazing. Olivia's smile is infectious and will light up her room. Olivia has been one that I ask a lot of questions to about when I want to be more educated on just like the POC community and the Mm barn community and what I can do, what I can do to uplift other communities. And Olivia is just so good at taking a step back and just like explaining things to you in another way. And always open for questions that I have. Because like I said, like, we only know what we know. And Olivia is glamour. Absolutely. Glamour. When Oli- so Olivia and Miami and I were staying at my house when we did bubblegum. And both of them are, they love their hair. And I was like, I bought a wig literally the day they left. I was so inspired. <laughs> like, oh my God, I'm going to get, oh my God, I'm going to be a wig queen now. Because of you two. Yeah, I love her. So the night that we crowned Jax, the winner of Iconic, she was in the audience and I remember like that morning getting a message from her being like, oh my God, that show is amazing. I can't wait to be a part of it one day. Cut to COVID, cut to her being on Drag Race. I was like, well, Olivia Lux is always going to be the one that got away from me. I love her. She's amazing. Yeah. And finally, Utica. Utica. We're doing a booth at DragCon. I'm really excited because um, Utica is someone that I feel like we haven't known each other a very, very long time, but I feel like from right right off the bat, I could ask them anything because of COVID. We were locked up in our hotel rooms. We quarantined for 11 days. We had no physical touch right. with anyone. We were in an insane asylum at a courtyard Marriott. And Utica was the first hug that I had in, I think, 11 days. Just like, I remember like, the handler left the room and we I just got my first hug, which is crazy. Like you wouldn't yeah. think that that would mean so much, but days and days go by. You're not at home. You have no cell phone. You have no way to reach anybody. And I finally got to be embraced with Utica's six foot arms, you know? I love that. And then we just really connected. And like I said, we both went to a wedding in Milwaukee a little bit ago, um, our mutual friends. And um. I'm really excited for Utica. Utica is a fashion powerhouse. Mm -hmm. 
Utica makes a lot of pieces for other queens, which I think is sickening. No, other queens are really doing that from the show. And um, to have a piece from Utica's designer. That's it's amazing. Really, really well made. And um, I'm really excited to see what Utica brings. I've all the queens that you brought up, Denali, Olivia, Utica, Candy. I want to, I think just having a whole nother TV moment would yeah. be chef's kiss you know I'm, I'm here for it so I have a fan corner question for you and this is from hopeful of drag race one day Amanda Pork her question is what was the casting process for drag race like during COVID what was the Amanda Pork it is that is a really funny name by the way good job um the casting process I think was actually really similar to normal years but um if you want to get something done, be persistent. For example, mm-hmm. I did the sh- I um auditioned for the show, and then about two months later, I got a call back, and they said that they were going to call me back in another six weeks. So I put it in my calendar. Six weeks came by, I didn't hear anything, and um, I waited a few days and didn't hear anything. So I called World of Wonder, and all right, it's like, hi there, um. I um, was told that we'd be getting a call in six weeks. I just want to make sure I didn't miss anything, you know, because I'm like, I have manifested this so hard. We're going to make this happen. And um, they got me on the phone with someone and they were like, actually, because of COVID, no one is in the office. It's slowed things down so much. We don't know if we can even do the show. If we need to move forward, give us six more weeks. So I waited six more weeks and um, I'm spending my all my money from the government on hair, hoping I can get on the show to not wear it. And um, um I called them again because I didn't hear anything. And then they were like, okay, we'll get someone, get someone on the phone with you. And then they called me like a week later. And then they were like, we're just trying to figure everything out. And then I got a call saying that um we're gonna do a psyche bell. And then from there we did the psyche bell. And then I did um I had to do another one because I couldn't meet with a doctor in person. And then uh, that was it. And then I just got a phone call. It's amazing. That's yeah. good advice. Thank you. I'm, I'm I'm sure she'll love hearing that. So I have my previous guest ask my current guest a question, and this is from Lyra Vega. What is your favorite on-stage recovery? Let me think about this. What is my favorite on stage recovery? I feel like it has to be so Kylie Sonique Love tumbling in, in the final lip sync of her season mm-hmm. in a dress and then killing the rest of that lip sync from it. Like, yeah, it was pretty iconic. I feel like that was sickening, honestly. I'd have to say that. It was so good. Now's your turn to ask my next guest a question, and it can be about literally anything you want. Who's your next guest? Um, it's going to be another drag artist, uh, a, a local New Yorker. A local New Yorker. Okay. What is it like starting out as a baby queen in New York City and making it to be a big name? I love that. That's an excellent question. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I love to try to expand the Block Talk family. Who would you like to hear an interview with in the future? Who would I like to hear an interview with? I think that you should really work with Utica one day. Awesome. Well, I I am very excited to meet her when I get to London. So we'll definitely make that happen. Yeah, we can do that. Well, 
where can we find you on social media and Venmo? My, so my Venmo is the same. Uh, so every social media platform and Venmo is at Joey J is gay. Cash app is the same thing. And um, my bubblegum page is at bubblegum affair. And we're almost, we're just under a thousand followers, which I'm so excited about for it being a brand new party. So follow both of those. And we're going to be at DreadCon in London. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so honored to chat with you. Thank you for having me. And please edit out all those awkward moments, all the crazy mishaps. 